Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to Minisode 155 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lap sorrow writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. And we're in the same room. Yeah! <laughs> Alright! <laughs> High five! Yeah! That is uh, incredibly exciting. Yeah! Hello, I could see you. I could actually, I could reach out and prod you. If you really wanted to, yeah, you could do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we haven't done this in a really long time. We, ha- we haven't, no. In fact, the only times I've kind of seen you recently have been like kind of fleeting thing- moments where I've like dropped something off to you or that one time that we had a freezing cold drink in your garden. In my old flat. Yeah, I've moved. That, was, that must have been minimum six months ago because Moved. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. We're back behind the mics properly yeah. in HQ. Tier two. Here we fucking go. Yeah. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glasgow finally out of it. I am celebrating in style as well. I am going to see a Quiet Place two. Uh huh. And Spiral tonight. I'm finally seeing Spiral. I oh, will be lovely. able to talk about Spiral this week, which I'm really excited. You don't have to keep watching Spiral replacements. Yeah, I did start doing that again this week, <laughs> and I had to stop. I can't remember what it was I was watching, but I was like, I, it was, it was a, a player die. Oh, really? <laughs> which um, I think was in Shudder and I started watching it and I was like you know what no I need to stop watching deadly game films yeah. and just wait for Spiral but I have been watching other things have you? I have watched a few things yeah hopped onto Shudder this week and checked out Caveat oh so did I Oh, well. <laughs> um, uh, this played one of the Fright Fests last year. Went down pretty well. Uh, skirted under my radar at the time. Mm, I was completely unaware of this until you mentioned it the other week on the streaming platforms. Yeah, I think we should probably hold our hands up to this and just say that we were both a little bit sceptical about this on paper when we read about what it was actually about. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think I maybe even scoffed at the premise a little bit. <laughs> Before we get into this, I'm just going to do one thing. Oh, yeah. oh, and you've not done the usual thing where you tell us what time it is, but uh, it is 12 o'clock on a Sunday and you have just opened a beer. Yes, that is allowed. Yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. But yeah, I'm caveat. Now, do you want to handle the synopsis on this, will I? Uh, I think I'll give it a go. Okay. There's a drifter called Isaac. He's suffering from partial memory loss. He's extremely bearded. Mm-hmm. He is approached by his ex-landlord and asked if he will go to this abandoned house on an island and watch his niece for five days yes that's right yeah yeah olga olga yes of course and when he gets there there's a kind of caveat if you like to to this whole plan and so much as he has to be shackled and kind of attached to chains that he can't leave the house Yes, yeah, yeah, the very same. So yeah, these chains kind of extend, let, let him roam around a bit, but not entirely. So obviously kind of like um, immediately throws a, like a little bit kind of mystery into the mix about what he can and can't see and why not. Yeah, like he's not allowed into Olga's bedroom, like the chains don't quite go that far and things like that. So he, he, yeah, there's certain areas that are off limits. Now, I'm about to walk back a lot of the kind of like apprehensiveness that I had about this before. Yeah. But I also stand by the fact that it is a weird premise on paper and it does sound inherently kind of silly and then when and when he's kind of like oh that's a leash and i'm not putting on it's like yeah fair play just go home yeah. um but well he can't because he's on an island and as by his own admission he can't, can't swim. swim of course yeah, yeah that's right that's another I thing can't isn't swim. It? 
Yeah, I thought that um, so obviously kind of like we realised that there's a lot more to the situation than meets the eye. Sure. And there was already quite a lot of stuff there, <laughs> but um, I gotta say, I mean, I thought I thought this was really really good, really really great actually. Yeah, I, I front to back loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, so um, uh, Damien McCarthy first feature, first feature, an incredibly assured feature, like an incredible sound design, incredible cinematography, incredible production design. Uh, one of the scariest toys I think I've seen since Possum. Yeah, I think that they are correct to be cramming that weird rabbit into all of the marketing because it's perfect. It's oh, a horrible I, visual. Yeah. Like, it's great. And actually, I would say comparisons to Possum don't really end there because it's the same kind of discomfort and slow burn. Yeah, absolutely. I, would say, like, I actually saw somebody on Twitter this week kind of being like, oh, this would go great as a double bill with Possum. I was like, no, it wouldn't. That is an extremely <laughs> terrible idea. Like, yeah. what, a, what, an, what an evening that is. Yeah, I was like, like, I was like yes, they are thematically and totally very similar. I am not spending three hours watching those two things in a row. <laughs> no, thank you. They're both great, but Jesus Christ, no, no. I don't hate myself enough. But um, uh, no, like, I mean, like all jokes aside, caveat I thought was really, really tremendous, actually. I was a little bit unsure on exactly how it ended initially. And the more time I've had to think about it and what I think they were trying to do, the more I think that they got it right. Also, something I need to kind of commend it for, it's not afraid at all to go weird with the visuals from, like, frame one. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Very, very adventurous in that way. Yeah. Kinda, it's like, it's one of those things, I think we've said this a couple of times lately, where you feel like um, nobody said no to him in the best possible way. Like, you get the impression, sure. like, this feels very much like singularly a vision that oh, didn't yeah. really get tampered with, and it's yeah. uh, it's all the better for it. I, th- I, th- I really did think this was great, actually. And, like, I think I watched it, like, two, three days ago, and I've kind of gone back to it in my head quite a bit since then. Um, like, I, I watched it earlier today, and it's it's really kind of it's really kind of stuck with me. I think it's a really creepy, effective mystery, and... I was a bit unsure actually when you said you'd seen it how you were going to kind of react to it because there is a little bit of cat and mouse involved here. <laughs> Did not go unnoticed. No, I'm <laughs> sure it didn't. But uh, but yeah, like uh, um, I would say like an acceptable level of cat and mousey. No, I thought this was really cool. I thought that um, really claustrophobic. I think the way that it unravels the kind of pieces of information that you're fed. Treats the audience like adults in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, really can't like really can't commend it enough. One of my favorite things I've seen in a while. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago that the power was my favorite Shudder original that I've seen in a bit. I would say it's probably this now, but it also just speaks to the standard of Shudder original that we're getting at the moment. Yeah, I, I think this is really this certainly in my opinion uh, leapfrogged the power by quite some distance. Yeah, yeah, great stuff all around. Um, so that's all I've got. So a sensible bridging point at this point, I would say would be a quick look at Inside Number 9. Of course, yes, yes. So it's Season 6, Episode 4. Uh, yeah, getting through them. Yeah, just two more to go. It's always gone too quick, Inside Number 9. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was Hurry Up and Wait. Named after the Stereophonic song, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope not. Uh, pretty interesting one again. Again, like, staying in pretty dark territory. Not kind of outwardly dark. Although, you did tell me, though, it made you extremely uncomfortable, like, from the start. Yeah, so basically what you have here is you've got um, uh, an actor called James, who's played by Reese. Shearsmith, yes. who has got this role um, on this cop drama that is this adaptation of a true crime story mm-hmm. from years earlier that happened in this town. And he's doing it alongside the line of duty guy. Adrian Dunbar. Adrian yeah. Dunbar, Who's yeah. in this plane himself, and he's great. He's really, really good. And that's actually, I think, that like there's not a massive amount of humour to be found in this one, I don't think, but like uh, all the best stuff is kind of when he's kind of like talking about how this is really different from line of duty, yeah. and like when he like steals the big line and stuff like that. It's like all that stuff's really funny. But yeah, basically, um, they can't give people proper trailers, so they're kind of just in the caravans of people who live in this caravan park. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think it's like a traveller's caravan park. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. 
Mrs. Doyle from Father Ted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the first time you see us, he's offering tea as well. Pretty funny. Yeah, um, obviously intentional as well. But like, um, yeah. So he kind of, uh, so James is kind of waiting for this big scene and he's hanging out in this trailer, I guess, but with this family who are um, uh, Mrs. Doyle, <laughs> uh, her husband, who's played by Steve Pemberton, and their adult daughter. Yes, that's right. This did make me really uncomfortable, but I think in a way that feels quite specific to me, because it's weird, considering James is technically in their home, the fact that all the things that made me uncomfortable were like intrusions on him felt strange. It was like when Steve Pemberton's character arrived and like put his feet on the table like right next to him. Yeah, plus he's also kind of extremely brash right out the gate, and he's kind of constantly like right up in his grill from the minute they meet. Yeah, all that stuff is the kind of thing that makes me quite anxious. So I think that like, right. um, but I mean, by by the by the time we got to like fifteen minutes into this, I was like, this needs to be worth it because I'm scorbing so hard. <laughs> um, and yeah, he basically James starts to wonder if this mystery of this missing kid is a little bit closer to home than he realises mm-hmm. what did you think of this? I liked it I don't feel it was as strong as either of the two preceding weeks obviously I, I, I kind of taken the very first episode out of the equation here because I think it was quite divisive between us both but I think we were both on the same page about the last two episodes being quite strong. Certainly like just kind of subjectively more the kind of things that I like and the mm-hmm. things that I tend to respond to more I would say that yeah it's not as outwardly dark as either of those two Yeah, but um, still goes there it does certainly like the the kind of I guess the kind of final revelation is uh, extremely dark. I didn't have this figured out at all. I don't think that yeah. anybody can reasonably be expected to have that figured out. But um, uh, I thought it was I thought it was clever. And when it kind of air quotes resolved itself, it's inside number nine. You knew there was going to be another layout of something. Yeah, yeah. Happy enough to like give it the point for this one. Like I would say, that's three in a row that I've really really liked. Well, I would say it's kind of four in a row for me because mm-hmm. I did have a lot more time for Wuthering Heist than you did. Yeah, uh, and like I say, I mean, like, and I'm and I'm not sitting here saying that one was pesh either. It's just not the kind of stuff that I come to this for sure which is on me rather than them (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah another really good one that's my all my viewing this week though apart from one more thing which we'll get to but yeah uh, yeah, you got anything else kinda I got my hands on the second site release of Lake Mungo this week okay which I think comes out today if you're listening on release date. Right, okay. I love Lake Mungo. I've mm-hmm. loved it since I first saw it. I think it's one of the most kind of effective films of that ilk that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And again, as you would expect, Second Sight have kind of given it the release you would expect them to. Yeah, I'm obviously still kind of like relatively new to this side of things. Uh-huh. But I do have Anne and the Apocalypse of theirs. And Raw. And Raw, yeah. uh, both of which I've now kind of like dug into every corner of. Right, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they, well, they're very comprehensive releases that I think look great. Mm-hmm. Like Mungo, I've seen this arriving with a lot of people. This sure. Week. I've seen a lot of people posting that it's getting there, and I wasn't going to get it, but now I'm getting like Blu-ray Envy. Sure. And now I kind of want By the way, that'll happen. Like, I know that you're just kind of getting back into this, but that'll definitely happen. Uh-huh, I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, so uh, talk about this one then. Yeah, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, it's uh, Late Mungo's from 2008. It's a kind of mockumentary about the Palmer family whose 16-year-old daughter Alice drowns while out swimming in a, in a dam. And the kind of mystery around her death kind of unravels and the strange occurrences that happen in the aftermath of her death. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. Super cool, super chilling. What, like I say, one of the best examples of this kind of thing I've ever seen. Can't recommend that enough. Can't recommend this release enough. Although, I, I want to say something that I noticed. Maybe I don't know enough about this film and I haven't really had an opportunity to dig into the, the kind of special features on here. But director Joel Anderson doesn't seem to be involved 
at all with this and hasn't really made anything that I can see really since like Mungo. Interesting. So I don't know what the deal is there. If anybody knows, I'd be really keen to, to hear if there's a, a story there. But we've got commentaries on here from the producer on the DOP. There's bits on here from Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead talking about their love of like Mungo and the same with host director Rob Savage. Cool. All manner of stuff. You you know what to expect from a second sight release. It's always excellent. It is interesting though, like and it must be a little bit of a kind of sore thumb when a release is this comprehensive and there's no input from the director that must be strange yeah certainly no input that i can see certainly on the surface but uh, i'll dig into the i'll dig into the commentaries and see if i can find a little bit more information but on the surface it seems like no director involvement okay so this sounds pretty great for me it's the i'll always buy things based on the film before I even consider the special features like if i if i find out that something's coming out and something i really want i'll get it based like purely on the strength of the film. Aye, okay, yeah, yeah. And that's what I did with Late Mungo, because I really can't recommend the film enough. I think it's excellent. Great. Um, and that's available now from today? I think it's out today, yeah, the 7th. Yeah, I also want to give a shout-out to our pal Jill Gavagazian. Of course, yeah. The stylist is out there in the world in physical release now. Congratulations, Jill. Amazing. Yeah, from our video. Uh, my copy that turned up this week. Yeah, mine hasn't arrived yet, because like a dick this time I ordered from Amazon. Ah, no. But yeah, big well done's all round. So, side quest time then. Pictures revisited. Yes, thanks to our pal Andrew Barron for the suggestion. Yeah, this is been carried. Successfully posited there, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, got a really good reception and feedback actually this week. I haven't, oh, cool. I haven't like mentioned it but a lot of people kind of said that they thought it was cool i have revisited one this week okay right because we hadn't really discussed how this was going to work but carry on yeah and i think that we should probably address that now right so i just i just picked one that was accessible so i watched black roses oh that's just on Sh- that's just arrived on shudder yeah that was kind of why i was kind of like that right. was like perfect opportunity but there are an awful lot of these probably about 130 of them yeah so we should probably establish some ground rules on precisely how this is going to work Right, okay, because that, I mean, Black Roses was a good way in. And it might be quite difficult to keep track of if we're just picking them ad hoc. So I think that we should probably try and do them in order, but obviously try and avoid some repetition with it. Uh So obviously a couple of them have been picked as main episodes, we won't use them. We won't do them, sure. If either of us have eyes on something for the first time, Uh do it. Sure, but then that would preclude The Fun House, which was the first ever Mitch's pitch that we've done, and I believe it's one that we've both seen. Yeah, so we'll be straight on to the next one. So we'll just do it turn-based from now on, and try and do it as far as possible in chronological order, unless there's no real value to talking about it again. How about that? Okay. Um, so just be common sense about the repetition and stuff. But this week, I watched Black Roses. Cool. By the way, that means we only do Breeders once. That's true. <laughs> Thank Christ. <laughs> I forgot you did that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, but Black Roses, I watched that, obviously, um, about a rock band. 1988 film about a rock mm-hmm. band who uh, hypnotised the general public by posing as rock stars. I didn't realise before I started watching it that this was a trauma film. Yeah. Which I'm kind of like, all right, okay. I have a like, I have an up and down relationship with those. This feels very antithetical in a lot of ways to a lot of trauma films to me. Go on. Like, I don't feel it's nearly as... I mean, I, I, I want to come out of the I, I like this fine. I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Quite fun. I didn't feel nearly as much like I was being yelled at for 90 minutes. Hmm. It felt a little bit more kind of restrained in relative terms. Right. Um, <laughs> which... <laughs> You know what I mean. Uh, which, sure. uh, And I think that, like, it's probably in terms of appealing to me specifically, it probably did better for that. This is going to make things extremely difficult later on in this episode, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> Wonderful. But no, um, uh, yeah, I would say, like, not bad at all. Didn't mind it at all. And if people, if people want to go watch it, uh, it's fun. I think that, like, the songs in it are pretty decent. There's a lot of the kind of, like, bait and switch stuff when, like, they go all demonic when the adults aren't looking and all that kind of thing. Sure. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good. And it's available in Shutter, as you said. Uh, if people want to go check that out, it's there. However. Yeah. 
what have they been saying? Feedback time once again then, and a whole load this week. So yeah. um, apologies if we don't get to absolutely everything. Tons of stuff. Mitch, how did that feel seeing me doing that in person? It was nice, yeah, yeah watching you coil away from the microphone so you don't damage our listeners poor fragile ears. <laughs> it was nice, yeah. I'd almost forgotten. Uh, big thank you though to Adam Stovall, of course, writer-director of A Ghost Waits, for joining us this week for the second time mm-hmm. to talk about my science project. Now, I think that was the first of two gambles this week that paid off. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, and we'll come to the other. But um, Adam came back, picked my science project, which is a kind of family-friendly sci-fi comedy from 1985. I don't know, it was quite close to the bullet points, man. Like... Yeah, I guess it was. But like, um, but we decided to go with it, and it paid off, I would say, because the episode was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. But also, the general reception to it was um, pretty favourable. And I'm not just talking about the episode, the film itself. A lot of people sure. seem to be quite into it. Uh, not least uh, Dan Popomatic on Twitter, uh, who posted a kind of thread of comments as he was watching it, a short one. Um, he really liked it. Yeah. Uh, but he also said, he correctly identified that Dennis Hopper was playing the Dennis Hopper role of Dennis Hopper. Sure. Uh, but he also concluded with, uh, this is the most 80s film I've ever seen, and I've seen Short Circuit 2. I wouldn't say Short Circuit 2 is the most 80s film I've seen, but, uh, I mean, there's there's some overlap there from Fisher Stevens, and, uh, yeah, neither one's a particularly sensitive portrayal of uh, any ethnic group, really. <laughs> That's certainly true. More nostalgia though from Mark Smith. Okay. Uh, on the Chud Locker as well. He said he'd remembered this from childhood, but then later concluded just saying, great fucking episode. Oh, wonderful. Uh, it's always really? nice to hear. Uh, Mark, of course, special place in my heart for Mark after he drove to the furthest point away from Glasgow with his chud badge and photographed it. That was us. amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, so a couple of, a couple of things coming in there. I've got Salt Air Popcorn, or old pub Kevin, saying, great chat about my science project from Adam Stovall on Strong Violent Scenes this week. That film needs a nice, shiny release. Also, oddly, just finished watching A Return to Salem's Lot today and want someone to defend that. It's very defendable. A couple of people kind of spoke out in favour of Return to Salem's Lot after Kevin said that. Oh, really? Yeah, so, I've, I mean, I've, I've, obviously, I've never seen it. But, like, sure. um, but enough people were like, oh, yeah, that's worth a look, to pique my curiosity. Shakes. Ah, hello, Dave. He got in touch uh, commending us for putting the entire song from this to the end of the episode you are welcome sir uh, yeah. that has to be a particularly strong track for me to do that yeah I, I, I was fine with that decision also though he said the entire song the whole thing not sure what the drinkers at the bull's head in a sleepy Derbyshire town thought of it as I drove past though great episode this week thanks Dave glad you were doing that also other pubs in sleepy Derbyshire towns exist yes yeah but definitely pay the bull's head a, a visit <laughs> I've got Hannah Ray here at Hanny underscore Ray saying, I was jogging while listening to the episode and it felt like an amazing movie montage at the end. I felt empowered and also suddenly keen to do some science. Again, presumably talking about the song My Science Project by The Tubes. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased that this was, uh, that, that, like, particularly this facet of the episode got so deeply ingrained in people's days. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Delighted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got Gorehound here. Ah, yes, okay. Run around the block in the pissing rain listening to Adam Stovall, then home to answer emails while listening to fellow chud Stephen Wales. What a time to be alive. Now, this was the second risky thing we did this week over on Patreon where we have kind of started this new side thread called Meet the Patrons, where we will put out a little competition sporadically and we will be joined by one of our lovely patrons to discuss a film of their choice in a full-length Patreon-exclusive episode. Yeah, now it's possible that at some point these episodes may appear out in the world in other locations, who knows, but for now, Mm -hmm. certainly Patreon-exclusive. So we ran the competition a little while ago, 
Stephen Wales won. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. After some kind of back and forth and some chat, he settled on Phenomena. Dario Gentle's Phenomena. Yeah. Yes. So I want to say thank you to Stephen for, first off, entering, taking the time to do it, mm-hmm. um, being very generous with his time, and also just for being great fun to have on. As well. Yeah, I think it I think it worked well. Again, and I think I said on the recording, it's, I guess it's not really any different to having any guest on, because you never really know what you're going to get from any guest. So it's always a kind of gamble in a way. Yeah, I do want to say that the gamble wasn't Stephen specifically coming on as much as it was just everything that you do for the first time was kind of a gamble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it went fine. And agreeing with us on that one was Alexis Donnelly, Cosmic Grey Girl and the oh, cool. Walker. Uh, she said, this was a great episode. I've completely fallen off the podcast train and this episode gave me just the kick I need. Well done, Stephen. Yep, and I've got Andrew Barron saying big up to Stephen Wales for this. Currently listening and it's easily comparable to any main episode. So glad our musketeer got this opportunity. Great stuff and a perfect film choice. Uh, of course, the musketeers are shite. Uh, the, this this team that has sprung up on uh, the Chud Locker, <laughs> who recommend and watch terrible films together. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice. It's, yeah, it's very awesome. lovely, lovely. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, staying with Phenomena and uh, Stephen's episode, got Chris Skelp getting in touch on the Chud Locker as well. Superb episode. Nice one, Stephen. Perfect movie for it too. First watch for me as well. And I also had it in Italian on the Ario player. Not just you, Mitch. I didn't know how to switch it either. This is very vindicating to me. I'm very mm. glad that it wasn't just me like missing one big this is how to watch it in English button. Um, <laughs> so the fact that somebody of Chris Skelp's stature sure. had a similar problem. Is I believe like a- the Blu-ray has that, oh, it has that big button. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe that also, I think someone mentioned as well that you can apparently watch it in English on the Arrow channel. Oh, on, on uh, Amazon? On Amazon, but right. uh, but that option does not exist um, on the Arrow player. I mean, I was, I was fine. It didn't, it, like, it didn't impact my enjoyment of it at all, but it was just weird. But um, yeah, I just kind of always assume with that kind of thing that it's not like a quirk, it's just a trick that I'm missing. Sure. So yeah, mildly vindicated by the fact that's not the case. <laughs> lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, anything else for a wrap up? Uh, I've got something for, actually from the aforementioned Cosmic Ray Girl. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. just letting us know that uh, you know there's a, the rumblings of the Toxic Avenger remake. Yeah, that's taking shape. Macon Blair's directing that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Peter Dinklage is in it, and Jacob Tremblay um, from Room. Yeah, yeah, and also just recently added to the cast as the main villain, I suppose, is Elijah Wood. Yeah, and I think that that was specifically uh, what Alexis was bringing to our attention. I'm really interested in this. Yeah, I mean, these are big names, like uh, so. It's uh, it's cool to see the direction that they take the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, it's like it's big, but like reputable names as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 like 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 very very into that. I think that this is really interesting. Also, it's got um, uh, Taylor Page, who's been in things like Marini's Black Bottom and stuff. Of like course, that. yeah. And well. So um, yeah, up and down, yeah. like the stature attached to this status. Also, just want to say this is not the trauma-related news that might ruin your day. I had a feeling it wasn't. Um, and to wrap up the feedback this week, just very nicely, just want to say hello to our old pal, film fan Stevie, who made it back to the Curzon Soho this week. Triumphant return, coffee's in place, us in his ears, films yep. in his eyes. Yep, he, uh, like, and he sent us a picture of like uh, his exact POV from his corner spot. Yep, where, where I was once privileged enough to join him. Oh, you've been there. You've yeah. been on hallowed ground. Yeah, uh, he, he didn't know I was coming. Oh, you dropped in on him. That must have been uncomfortable. It was a Friday morning, and I appeared, and he told me to fuck off because he was listening to the podcast. <laughs> I listened to it, but I don't also want to see you. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> sensory overload. Yeah. Please go somewhere else for the next thirty-seven minutes. Uh, but yeah, big hello, Stevie. Uh, um, and very nice, of course, to hear, uh, but just generally broadly stories of cinemas reopening and people being back out there doing things like that. 
that. Um, but yeah, very cool indeed. Well, I'm looking forward to you talking about your uh, return to cinemas next week. Yeah, I'm even going to two different cinemas for the two films that I'm going to as well. That's, that's weird. Yeah, well, I mean, like, well, here's the thing. Uh, very quickly. So um, A Quiet Place 2, I'm seeing at Cineworld. Sure. I had um, Spiral booked also at Cineworld. But um, there's a new view that's opened down by me. I know where you're at. I know um, where you're at. Mm-hmm. Which has got like recliners. Right. And, and a bar and stuff. You're and going I, to see Spiral second. I'm going to see Spiral at 10 to 10 this evening. In a cinema with recliners. Yes. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince. <laughs> <laughs> What's it going to take for me to fall asleep during Spiral? Perhaps we'll find out. Yeah. But, um, uh, <laughs> I really yeah. hope you come back next week and go, I can talk about Spiral up to a point. <laughs> yeah, like, I can talk about Spiral for the first 20 minutes and then the last quarter one hour. No, I'm confident. I'll get through it. It's been a, a long time in the making, we see Spiral. So in spite of the overwhelmingly middling reviews, I'm very excited to check it out. <laughs> yeah, but middling to poor, quite frankly. Yeah, but the first one got middling to poor reviews. I don't care. Lay it on me. Get it in my eyes. Anyway. Yes. Once again, time then for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It'll be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline, left only the image. It will, of course, be up to me to describe it to the best of my ability and give it a title and a tagline. Now, Andy, before we begin, I'm going to posit that it has been sufficiently long that it might be time for an Andy's pitch. Okay. I think that we're in that area of, the, I think we're that kind of area of the month at this point. Sure. So um, whatever poster you have planned for this week, if you want to nudge it back a week. Okay, I've can do, will do. Mm-hmm. But before we begin, last week's pitch was Killing Birds, colon, Raptors. Yes, 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 it was, yeah. A.K.A. Zombie 5. Reappropriated by me as Where Eagles Scare, Flight of the Living Dead. Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. Loads of people getting in touch. And um, uh, pitching on this one, Kim Morrison, A Bird in the Eye is Worth Two in the Bush. Lovely. <laughs> Kinell, Bird's Eye Squished Dinners. <laughs> Uh, Boz, egalitarian optometrics of the return. <laughs> Guy Reefer, John Carpenter directs this shocker featuring a family, a caravan and a flock of reclusive birds. Enter the outback if you dare and the birds take eyes. Oh, okay. It's quite enjoyed. Kevin Matthews on Facebook, it's the Muppets meets the birds in this Henson-crafted horror spin-off that nobody expected. Will Fozzie Bear survive the bloodied beaks of birds gone bonkers in 1982's Waka Flocka Shocker? <laughs> C.P. Buckley, when Trent Beeswax goes on holiday to Bird Death Island, he ends up involved with a demonic bird cult and after a particularly heavy night of drinking, finds himself buried up to his neck on the beach as a sacrifice to the bird demon. Mm. Now Trent must find a way to survive and escape while also trying to stave off the madness that he finds enveloping his mind as the island's bird population slowly attacks him. It's 1987's The Bird God of Bird Death Island. (laughs) See what you see? I wish I'd never come to Bird Death, Death Island. Island. What could possibly have gone wrong? Uh, James Rodriguez on Facebook. In the 15th century, a small community abides by a peculiar set of rules. When the boys are of age, they follow a ritual to be considered a man. They must dress in blinding white clothes and sing opera to a female bird of prey, culminating the bird giving them a blessing in the form of bleeding all over their faces. On the eve of his ritual, young Fergus Felcher... <laughs> runs away but the price for desertion is much worse than anyone can imagine get ready for an unforgettable period piece 1976's The Hawk That Dripped Blood <laughs> and to wrap up Hanny underscore Ray of course an eagle enthusiast takes the county fair fruit preserve competition too seriously after training his pet bird of prey to take out the competition it's sticky death caught in a jam <laughs> Best character name to Trent Beeswax. Happy. Best pitch to Hannah. 
Okay, so CP and Hannah, this week's winners. Congratulations. Yeah. So um, Hannah quietly building up a reserve of nothing, I noticed. Ah, she's getting through it, though, I hear. Oh, good stuff. Okay, yeah. it's not going to waste. No. Excellent. Congratulations yeah. then to both of you. However, onwards to yourself. Sure. Okay. Something is in transit right now. Oh, flying through the ether. Wow, okay. Uh, oh, man. This is a weird one, man. This is a super weird pitch image. It's quite oblique, isn't it? Very much so. Okay, so the, the image is kind of divided in two. The lower half is a kind of grey, it looks like grey marbled effect. The top half is black, but it seems to be dripping down into blood, kind of in the middle section of the image. Mm-hmm. Above this, uh, in, in the kind of bloody section, we have an octagon. It seems to be kind of, sorry to the, the missing civilizations of South America, but it seems to be either maybe Mayan, Incan, or Aztec, or a kind of blending of the the three. It's a kind of one, two, three, four. It makes sense that it's an octagon, so it's kind of eight pointed arms with squiggly lines on them with skulls on the end. And in the centre of it, there appears to be a kind of gold skull with a kind of, I don't know, like a screen in the middle that reads 24. Yes. Uh Aha, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say that you've probably hit on most of the key points there. Yeah, there's some red tendrils behind that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, right enough, right enough. Okay. I think that's it. Okay, moment required? Yeah. Wow, yeah. Okay. You know, I think this might be one of the first pitch images we've ever had that doesn't really have, like, a discernible person or creature in it. It's true, actually, yeah. I don't know why I picked this. Um, ah, it's interesting. Curious to see what you do with it, but, like, yeah, just, I'm just like, it's it's not even that it's too simple. Right away, something jumped into my head. Okay, good, it's good. I think it's quite a difficult one. I think it's quite difficult, too, just purely in the sense that there's no obvious one thing to extrapolate out from. Well, there is for me, there's one obvious thing to extrapolate out from, but it's what I do with that, that is the the question okay um but i think i am getting there okay right okay i'm ready hit me the place los angeles the year 2021 (laughs) okay and huitzilo pochtli the ancient aztec god of war has awoken he chooses the city of angels to rain destruction upon due to california having the highest latino population in the u.s and as revenge for the conquistadors wiping out the aztec civilization (laughs) Okay, excellent. Only one man can save the day. The Los Angeles Counterterrorism Unit reaches out once again to now-retired and broken former agent Jack Bauer <laughs> to unravel the mystery of the mystical disc, bring the god to heal, and save the city one more time. <laughs> now the clock is ticking and Jack needs to choose between duty and the ultimate sacrifice. The longest day of his life is just beginning. Kiefer Sutherland returns in the Sky Limited series 24 Cultural Minefield. <laughs> I should have known. Yeah. Outstanding. Okay. Um, as, as incredibly watchable as that is, uh, this is obviously not uh, what we're after. It's not 24 Cultural Minefield. It's not, no, but you're only out by four years, 2017. Yeah, okay. Uh, for this one, Game of Death. Oh, right, okay. Right, now, okay, sure. This has almost been an Andy vs. Mitch selection a couple of times. Yeah, um, I've never seen it. It's played at Fright Fest. Um, it's available on Amazon Prime. Synopsis, then. Sure. Uh, coming from fella underscore shibby at yahoo.com. Sorry, who? Fella underscore shibby at yahoo.com. Hi, fella underscore shibby. A bunch of youngsters play a mysterious game in which you either have to kill a person every one hour or the player's head will explode. Ooh. At first, the teen thinks that it is just a lousy game. But after a while, when one of their friend's heads explodes, they suspect it to be a sniper around. Later, they understand the evil power of the game and set it to kill people, creating division amongst themselves as some are ready to kill. 
but some are not. <laughs> wow! <laughs> That's fucking amazing! I like the idea of them just dismissing it as a lousy game yeah, until like, someone's head blows up. We know the stakes, but it's just a lousy it's game. It's a lousy game. <laughs> that concludes my suspensions for this week. That image obviously is everywhere. You know what obviously. to do. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, get out there again, Dutch. See if you can be a winner like Hannah and CP. Who wouldn't want to see Kiefer Sutherland face it off against a gigantic Aztec god? I know, I know. That's the world I want to live in. <laughs> Streaming platforms for this week then from the 7th to the 13th of June. Arrow player then, a couple of things in common. Monday 7th, got Hellbent, not that one. Not the one that we have talked at great length about. Great length about 1988 Hellbent, a band leader whose career is nosediving makes a deal with the owner of a bar to sell his soul for success. Doesn't sound as fun. No, not to me to be honest, but you know, it's there. I've uh, also got Gone with the Pope. Go on. <laughs> Famed nightclub performer Duke Mitchell is Paul, a paroled gangster oh, okay. with an unholy scheme to kidnap the Pope and charge a dollar for every Catholic in the world as ransom. <laughs> Amazing. Shot in 1975, Gone with the Pope was unfinished at the time of Duke Mitchell's death in 1981 and finally completed in 2009. Wow, okay. From a rediscovered unfinished print. I also got Death Dream. Oh, we, you, you've talked about that before. I think you did it as part of your Shoplift 100, 100, I would say. Yeah. yeah, I think it has to be that one. A young soldier killed in Vietnam inexplicably shows up to his family home one evening. Uh-huh. Uh, now TV and Amazon Prime both carrying a big old sack of zero this week. Um, oh, that's, that's a shame. Onwards to Netflix then. Uh, buckle up for this stuff. On Monday, you got Strange But True. Oh. A young woman rattles her former boyfriend's family when she reveals she's pregnant with his child, despite his death five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wednesday, awake after a global event wipes out humanity's ability to sleep, a troubled ex-soldier fights to save her family as society and her mind spirals into chaos. That'll happen if you don't sleep. Sure. Tragic Jungle, also on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, To escape an arranged marriage, a woman flees into the depths of the Mayan jungle where untamed nature merges the human and the supernatural. Mm, Mayans. Yeah, eerily prescient. (laughs) Um, On Thursday, we've got season one of Tresse, I want to say. It's T-R-E-S-E. Okay. In a Manila where dark supernatural forces pervade the criminal underworld, it's up to Alexandra Tresse to keep the peace, but there's a storm brewing. Right. Also on Sunday, we've got the devil below. When a team of researchers tried to find out what started a fire in a coal mine, they quickly discover that the disaster is anything but natural. Wow. Almost to Shudder then, a couple of great catalogue titles coming in on Monday. Good night, the living dead. Okay. Right, okay, don't need to say anything more about that. Wouldn't say so, no. Frightmare from 1974 as well. After escaping a death sentence for her hideous crimes, a seemingly rehabilitated woman settles in an isolated farmhouse only to crave blood once again. Directed by Pete Walker, Mitch, who directed House of Mortal Sin. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. I remember. Um, also got the Flesh and Blood show coming on Monday as well. Actors rehearsing a show at a mysterious seaside theatre are being killed off by an unknown maniac. That sounds like my thing. Okay. This is it. Stage fright, eh? Uh, yeah, we bet. Um, on Tuesday the 8th of June, we have also got Amusement Park. Okay. A decent amount of talking being done about this one. Recently discovered and restored 46 years after its completion by the George A. Romero Foundation, the Amusement Park sees an elderly man find himself disorientated and increasingly isolated as the pains, tragedies, and humiliations of ageing in America are manifested through roller coasters and chaotic crowds. Yeah, uh, this is kind of Romero's lost film. Yeah, a lot of talk about this. I'm really excited yeah. to check this out, actually, I've got to say. Um, and on Thursday, Andy, I'm going hazard I guess this might be your pick for the week Possessor lands on Shudder yeah we, we, we don't have to really dig into that anymore it was my film of last year and I love it love it love it love it yep pretty great uh, from Brandon Cronenberg elite corporate assassin Tasia Voss uses brain implant technology to take control of other people's bodies to execute high profile targets as she sinks deeper into her latest assignment she becomes trapped inside a mind that threatens to obliterate her there you go super nasty 
Yeah, brilliant. Really, really great. Yeah. So um, a decent amount of stuff. Arguably quality over quantity. Shudder, great. Yeah. Everything else, a little bit up and down. But yeah, Possessor, hands down for me. Brilliant. Wonderful. And, uh, massive curiosity about the amusement park. As we well. have an accord. Possessor are the things that I've seen the amusement park out of the things that I'll definitely watch. Yeah, me too. So onwards to this week's show then. Yeah. We have another guest this week. And this has been a long time coming. It has, yeah. It's an interesting one. He is an extremely busy podcaster himself. Yes, you may know him as uh, the host of Socially Distant Cinema and one of the hosts of the HD Movie Podcast as well. Yep, he is also the admin on the Chudlocker. Yes, and our dear friend Darren Gaskell joins us this week. Yeah, I'm really excited to have Darren on the show. It's and this really is a fun. film that he's been banging on about for fucking ages. And it did kind of reach the point where we were like, right, let's just do it. That kid, We could bring Darren down off the boil, put him on a gentle simmer... Yep. Uh, so we go back to 1987, Mitch, for Tromas. <laughs> surf Nazis Must Die. Okay, Surf Nazis Must Die this week with Darren Gaskell. That's an interesting combination. Somebody that I definitely really get along with with a film that I almost certainly won't. Yeah, I, I really think you'll struggle with this. Okay. Don't mind telling you. Okay, very curious. Very curious to see how yeah. I do with this. I'm back in the office this week as well, so I'm going to be like watching stuff under very like very time-sensitive circumstances when I get home night Shit. on night. These things as well, so who knows what state I'll be in by the time... Because uh, we have other commitments, other recording commitments for other shows and stuff this week as well. Yeah, we've got an amazing recording... For, uh, we're appearing on someone else's podcast this week. Uh, well, we're recording for someone else's podcast this week, and it's an absolute banger. Yeah, I got some really good news to uh, tell you about that very soon indeed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we've got that. But yeah, back in the office for the first time, back on the commute for the first mm-hmm. time, and then rolling into talking surf Nazis must die. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Sure. Uh, certainly. But we want to know what you think too. If you want to get in touch with us, you know what to do. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC. You can email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. And you can, of course, join in the conversation on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Patrons, you had the thing with Stephen last week. You'll have some more this week. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. You're all amazing. If anyone hasn't checked out the Patreon yet, it's patreon.com forward slash Strong Language Violent Scenes. Take a little look, there might be something on there that appeals to you, and yeah, hope to see you there. Yeah, we'll be getting our review caps back on this week. Oh, for sure. Taking a look at a recent release. However, we are back in the main feeds this Friday. We're talking Surf Nazis Must Die with Darren Gaskell. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.